Hey, Tysay. Hey, Alex. How are you? Very well. It's been a while. Yeah, missed a week. Yeah, we had to, I had a little bit of a, an emergency. Had to had to call off the show last week, but that's okay, because we're back. Um, and the benefit to to skipping a week every now and then is that we have a ton of stuff to talk about, and the show's probably gonna run pretty long. And I hope uh, I hope you've got time. Yeah, ready to turn out that content. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so I mean, the first thing to like on the plan is to talk about the penguins. Thinking because of the the volume of stuff, we might not go as in depth as we sometimes do. Combined with the fact it's been a while since these games have happened, so our memories are slightly rusty. Yeah. All right. So let's let's quickly run through the games. Sure. Take you a recap of what happened. Uh, first game was against the Devils. Right. Uh, this was a saw a good goalie matchup. We got Jari against Vanacek, so the two starters. Um, and yeah, so the De- Devils start out uh, with a nice chance of two on one get stopped by Jerry, but, the, but then, you know, they do end up scoring. This is a theme we saw throughout the week with the Penguins, um, giving up early goals because they come out looking flat as hell. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jack Hughes scored from the scored from the perimeter, and Tristan Jerry seemed to have lost that puck. Um, yeah, Crosby scored to tie it up, make it 1-1, um, kind of a rough goal. And then, uh, yeah, there was a whole bunch of nice chances, uh, but the goalies were really good uh, in the last final two periods. Go to overtime. Um, where, uh, let's see what, what happened. Yeah. There, there was an I overtime goal that, that, yeah. that got called back because of too many men. Um, wh- who, that was, that was a devil's goal, right? Was it that was called back or no, no, the devil's one on the power play. Right. Because of the too many men, Dougie Hamilton scores one timer. The rust is showing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no been a pun minute. intended, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it seems like Dougie Hamilton, I remember thinking of that game. He had a whole bunch of chances. Yeah. Um, and it finally broke through in overtime. Any, you remember any thoughts that you had from uh, this game? I remember that Hughes Hisher Brad Hamilton four on three power play for the Devils is pretty lethal personnel. Um, and yeah, the Penguins like defensively didn't really have an answer for it. Um, and well, one theme of the week, except for that final game, which was a six four loss to San Jose, uh, was extra time. Um, they took the Devils to overtime and lost. Beat the Panthers in overtime, seven to six. I have talk about defense, and then lost three two to Washington in a shootout. So lots of lots of close games for the Penguins. And we, I was saying right before we started recording, it was it's pretty hard to draw conclusions from this week uh, with Pittsburgh. Uh, and you said, well, the conclusion is that they're very inconsistent. And I said that's why it's hard to draw conclusions. Yeah, no, absolutely. It just uh, the it seems that yeah, certain aspects of their team that are working, I think. There was their fourth line um, that really generated a lot of offense, like quite surprisingly. Um, but yeah, who was that line? It was like fucking Ryan Paling doing a good Woo-hoo! job <laughs> with Danton Heinen and Drew O'Connor. Um, but other than that, like that third line with like the Bluger Carter McGinn line looked absolutely invisible. They, they got nothing going on. It's not even, a good mix. No, not at all. And, and even like the Crosby and Malkin lines, they they were no not as spectacular as you maybe you would expect. Um, they were okay. They produced you know points. Uh, but yeah, the, the the quality just you know wasn't to the level that you expect. Um, I think Tristan Jari got injured after the the Devils game, right? He did. Um, and that's why you know you had Casey DeSmith. Oh my God, what a goalie match! It was Casey DeSmith against Alex Lyon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for the Panthers, and that went exactly uh, as you might expect it would. Um, with what it was like a it was a seven six game in overtime. Um, and no, the goalie t- the goaltending wasn't uh anything to behold. 
Um, it's a lot of goals. I don't think I'm going to go through all of them. You don't have to. Yeah. Also worth noting, though, this game was the return of Chris Letang. Yep. Um, who had been, been out for a while after, you know, those health scares. And I think there was actually another injury as well. Um, but he came back in, in big fashion, scored uh, four points, including the uh, the winning goal in overtime, assisted by Evgeny Malkin. Actually looked a lot like the Dougie Hamilton one from the game before. Um, and, you know, more, I think this game probably encapsulates the strengths and weaknesses of the Penguins. Um, one of them being, well, Casey DeSmith in general. Uh, just not a very good backup goalie. And this was an exceedingly uh, poor game uh, from him. He was much better uh, the next next time. Uh, Dustin Tokarski's also, I think, been pretty good in his two appearances this season. Uh, not, a, not a surprise. I've always been a <laughs> Dustin Tokarski fan, of course. Um, but even though the personnel in defense, it's kind of been a trouble for the last uh, few years, especially as Letang has gotten older. His game has gotten a little more offensively inclined. Uh, Jeff Petrie's calling card has never been defense either, unlike John Marino, who they traded away last year in what was uh, possibly a mistake. Uh, and yeah, to round out the personnel at this point is Brian Dumoulin, Marcus Pedersen, uh, Chad Ru- Ruedel, and uh, the, uh, the brilliant Pierre-Olivier Joseph, who is finally you know making a name for himself. But I mean, uh, all in all, it uh, it's it's not a great personnel on defense in terms of you know playing in the defensive zone. And sometimes that does come down to coaching, but there's a little more to the puzzle than that. Yeah, it seems that this team is this is really regressive. You leave, you have Marino leaving, obviously. But also, Brian Dumoulin looks awful. Like, he seems to have regressed significantly. Um, even even with the return of Latang, he's, uh, like, and he's been having a bad season overall. He was terrible last um, year and, the, like, out of character. And it was like, maybe he'll bounce back, and he hasn't really. No, he really hasn't. And so without him, I mean, he doesn't look fit. To, especially, you know, with Latang kind of getting older, he doesn't look fit to man that first pair with him. And so, you know, just, yeah, defensively, they're kind of a train wreck because their defense core, you know, you got to think if you, you know, you probably need a new partner for Latang uh, since you, they, they commit, they Joseph. to a new contract, right? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. let's go. <laughs> Bump him up. Because I don't think Dumoulin's fit for this role anymore. He just, he just looks washed. Um, and he looks like a liability on that first pairing. For anyone who doesn't know, I think with Pierre-Olivier Joseph, Way back in the 2017 draft, Montreal had the 25th pick. And I said, I want Montreal to target Pierre-Olivier Joseph. I think he's going to be a great defensive I think, defenseman. I think he's going to be a star. You were telling me, no, why would they take him? It's ridiculous. You said they should take Maxime Contois instead. Not such a terrible idea in hindsight. Yeah. Um, but in the end, Pierre-Olivier Joseph wasn't even on the table because Arizona uh, took him two spots before Montreal would have had the chance to. Yeah, no, he's looking good. He's looking good. Jason Robertson probably would have been the best choice <laughs> looking back. <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. Um, but yeah, no, I think it really is like that. Dumoulin's, like, I mean, like Marcus Patterson and Jeff Petrie, that pairing didn't stand out as particularly bad. They looked pretty good. It's fine. Um, yeah, it looked, it looked decent. The problem is it feels like, you know, with Dumoulin continuing to be bad, uh, you know, the defense looks bad. And then, yeah, you go back to the forwards. It's just, it's 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 really like, aside from that fourth line, which is crazy when you can <laughs> Penguins not known for their forward depth. But that fourth line was really, really looking good all week. Um, yeah, there's just there's just a lot of inconsistency, and with that third line, just not even inconsistency, just straight up poor quality. Yeah, and then the final, well, the, the third game of the week, three-two uh, shootout loss to the Washington Capitals. Uh, DeSmith was more uh, on the ball to start this one, as I mentioned, uh, make some some good saves before giving up uh, an Ovechkin power play goal from guess where. A one nothing Washington, and the Capitals actually ended the first period with like twenty two shots, yeah. badly outplaying Pittsburgh. Uh, Danton Heinen stayed hot with another goal for that fourth line uh, rebound off the post. 
Uh, third period, Marcus Johansson snipes one from, from far out, beats Casey DeSmith. Yeah. Um, Casey DeSmith, uh, that was a pretty bad look for him, kind of left the entire side open. Um, and then uh, Brian Rust scores a goal in, in similar style, wrist shot from far out about eight minutes later. Uh, overtime was not particularly great. In the shootout, though, I wanted to shout something out. Um, that even though Washington won, I'm very glad that TJ Yoshi did not score. <laughs> <laughs> you sick of this guy? What? In the shoot- you sick of this guy in the shootout? See, here's the thing. I'm just, I just don't understand why that one Olympic event in the in the round ass robin from t- yeah. 2014 became such a big thing that like Barack Obama commented on it. Did he? Yeah, like at the time he was like American hero. Oh boy! And it's like he went four for six. Like it's not even that crazy. It's like it could. And yeah. Russia was alternating between like Kovalchuk, Datsyuk, I think. Yeah. And, you know they they almost went step for step. Like throw out anyone, any NHL player, uh, into the shootout. Give them six tries, and they score four. It's like you know, nice job. It's not like he went like you know eight for eight or anything right. like that. And it's still like whenever anyone thinks of T.J. Oshie, oh, Mr. Shootout. <laughs> Like I hated it so much, and I'm glad that he's that he missed. T.J. Oshie heritage moment. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, you're right. It is overrated though. Um, I guess you don't really see mo- mo- repeat shooters. Is the like over and over? Well, that's so, not a rule in the NHL, that's, but yeah. like, so it's special for that reason. But like, like seriously, it is overrated. Yeah. Oh, like, it's ridiculous. As an, as an achievement, you know, the real achievement was that he got his coach to pick him six times in a row, more so than you know. Yeah. yeah, the real achievement was that he made that team in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. They didn't even win a medal. Like if if USA, like you know, if they win the gold medal or something, then you understand kind of looking at that moment like, ooh, great! They finished fourth in that tournament, and yet it's still talked about as like this incredible American hockey history. Like, yeah. give me a break. <laughs> We had nothing better to talk about, you know. Yeah, that fixate on TJ. Yeah, talk about the miracle on ice again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's those it's those two moments, American hockey, Olympic history. Um, all right, so yeah, that's that's the Penguins week. They did end up losing six to four to the Sharks shortly after that. I think that was a Saturday. Um, embarrassing moment, and yeah, just another case in point. You lose the regulation. Uh, this team is very inconsistent, and yeah, you lose to the Sharks. There's your, there's all the proof in the pudding. So we are at the time of year. Where we gotta start saying, all right, what's the deadline outlook for these teams? Penguins currently sit at exactly a uh, 1.35 million in cap space, um, so you know not a ton of wiggle room, and it's like it's funny because a lot of their deadline acquisitions in recent years, they've like signed two extensions, like uh, Raquel, Jason Zucker, Jeff Carter. Um, and so, you know, and so that, that even just those three players combined, combined for, uh, what is this number, uh, over almost 15 million on the cap, Raquel, Zucker and Carter, like 14 and a half about, I think. Um, so that's not great, I would say. Um, but anyway, they do have a little wiggle room. And what's interesting is they also have players like Brian Dumoulin. Who say you really wanted to make an upgrade on like top pair left D with I don't know who, um, you probably wouldn't mind sending off Dumoulin, who's been bad for the past year and a half, uh, as you know, kind of the the cap exchange or cap relief to acquire a better player. Yeah, no, there, there's you you could do that. I guess you know there's there's no you might as well go all in, right? This is like uh, you know, you got the gang back together, and this seems yeah. to be the plan given their their kind of activities in the in the off season. Um. 
yeah, you could you could go that route if you kind of want to half-ass it. You could go, you know, third line upgrade. Um, man, they really like they their attachment to Jeff Carter over the years has cost them so much. So you're, yeah, well, it's crazy. Like not even just their acquisition, but also what they did the deadline, uh, the expansion draft with Seattle, and all that. It's just it's yeah, they lost McCann for yeah. Wow, that is insane. Because at the time, we're like, oh, Jeff Carter, that's funny, I guess. And all a crazy overpay. Um, But then right when they acquired him from, the, he was like so hot right off the bat acquiring mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. He scored like nine goals in 14 games um, and was great, continued that in the playoffs. So I think they kind of just fell in love with him eternally now and they haven't oh been God. able to, to correct. He looks horrible. Yeah, he's just <laughs> he's terrible. Uh-huh, they, you know, they, they've moved him to the wing. Yeah. He's got 19 points so far this year. And you know, for a for a how old he's he, he's thirty eight. <laughs> I did not realize Jeff Carter was already thirty. I was gonna guess thirty six, but I guess it'll make, like Crosby's like thirty five. Yeah, Jeff Carter's huh. thirty eight years old. Wow. Not so surprised. You know, thirty eight years old. Not so bad to still be scoring. You know, nineteen points in forty six games. Sure. Uh huh. Three million against the cap. Too much. Yeah. Waste of space. And you probably you probably if you want to contend for a cup, you probably want better. In your on your third line, yeah. Um, he just doesn't look good out there. He's not driving anything. Um, he's got a, a no move. Tough, yeah. <laughs> tough on his thirty-five plus deal. Oh god, no move. How many years does he have left? Is, it, is it um, last one? Does he have he's one got more? one more after this. Three point one two five. Oh man, who signed a thirty-nine-year-old Jeff Carter to three million dollars? <laughs> Ron Hextall, with help from Brian Burke. Gang, gang. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the, I mean, I think at this point, yeah, your, your Dumoulin solution, if you're, what kind of assets do they even have though? They want to. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, well, they're like one player they've ever drafted in the first round in the past 10 years is Samuel Poulain. So like though, all the hopes on Samuel Poulain, he's like, you know, what, like a B prospect. He's yeah. Whatever. They, I mean, they have like some appealing pieces in the pipeline uh i don't know how adverse they would be to trading ty smith um owen pickering who they picked in the first round this year right um you know i mean pittsburgh more so than any team just because i mean crosby and malkin are you know in the approaching the twilight of their careers i would say you would imagine them to be more willing than anyone to you know trade their prospects i mean they've got their first and second round pick this year and uh a third from the devils uh, and th- that's kind of what they're working with here. I'm looking to see if there is a TSN trade bait list yet, and it looks like there is, at the top of which is Timo Meyer. I mean, the big, of course, pie in the sky is Jacob Chikrin. Right. Um, I don't think they have the assets to pull that off. Uh, and the other, you know, pretty good left defense options are Vladislav Gavrikov from Columbus, who's almost definitely going to get moved, uh, and Jake McCabe who still has uh, a two years left, I think, at a quite reasonable cap it, making less than Dumoulin. So I think, you know, I think that's possibly a realistic solution here. Yeah, absolutely. That's should be looking at. No, no, for sure. I think uh, it's unsustainable the way that they've, if they want to make a push uh, for a cup, you're not going to win a cup with the current iteration of this team. Um, they're just, they give up too much in the, like defensively. They're just downright bad often. And, uh, yeah, so they need a defensive upgrade. Maybe they want to try out, you know, Joseph up on that first pairing, see if he can provide support there and see if that works out before making that, that acquisition. Um, but, you know, otherwise, you can't you can't just leave Dumoulin out to dry like that. Um, 
It's too much for him. TSN trade bait list is back on their bullshit this year. First round pick? Is someone's first round pick up there? Guess which team's first round pick is eighth on the list <laughs> and is eighth. also the only draft pick on the entire list. Toronto? No. It's not Toronto this year, right? Eh? Not Toronto this year. Oh, uh, who's got a good first round pick? Um... I don't know. Who is it? The New York Rangers. Okay. For no fucking reason. Except for the <laughs> fact that maybe, I guess they're in on Patrick Kane. So like, oh, the, but, like, this totally defeats the purpose of a trade bait list. Like, you're supposed to look at the players that the buying teams are going to be trying right. to acquire. Yeah. Uh-huh. No one's pining over the Like, Rangers. every great team's, like, you know, their top picks are in play. No shit. Yeah. What, right. What so, this is this? just dumb. Yeah. Oh, it's so, but, like, the rest of the names, you know, it makes it. It's, it's Timo Meyer on top. Chikrin. I feel like is more of a, you know, big fish reason for being up high more so than more than like it's super likely he'll get traded. Patrick Kane, Ryan O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Gavrikov, Taves, New York Ranger first round pick, Barbashev and Luke Shen rounds at the top 10. We've got Edmonds, Joel Edmondson here at number 12. Klingberg's there at 17. That seems high. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it kind of does. Um, I'm sure the Ducks are really trying to get rid of him. Oh though. boy, even a half retained. This guy's yeah. a straight up liability. It's just a year. He's awful. Holy I, shit. Yeah, I mean it's just uh, yeah. the end of this. So you know they'll surely. And some other interesting names near the bottom: uh, Matt Dumba, Sean Monahan, who's been injured for a while. Yeah. Puliyarvi's there. Max Domi's probably getting moved. JVR, and then at 24 and 25, Brock Besser and Eric Carlson. <laughs> okay. Seems like those should be higher, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's because of how unlikely they are. Yeah. Uh huh. Man, I wonder what the market is for Eric Carlson right now. There's just there's apparently like a, uh, apparently Mike Mike Greer asked for like three first round yeah. picks or something. It's like a mixed bag because a nobody wants that contract, but b and also b they're asking for the fucking smooth. Space bar and stop the recording. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're good. Yeah. I was saying, I think there's got to be a GM out there willing to give positive value for the defenseman who is like leading the. Leading all defensemen in points. Yeah. So if I'm Mike Greer, you've got to jump on that right away. You should have jumped on that months ago. We've been. It feels like people have been saying this for months now. Yeah. <laughs> trade, trade Carlson now, and thankfully for the Sharks, he hasn't like fallen off yet. Exactly. But like, when's when's you know, when's it gonna when's it gonna fall off the cliff? Yeah, and I will be stuck holding the bag. Uh huh. I I know he's low on the list, and I was like very unlikely. Uh, whoa! Big news. Yeah. Bo Horvat just signed an extension with the Islanders. Oh, we haven't even talked no about the deal way. yet. Guess. Uh, six years. Nope. Seven. Nope. Eight. Eight years. Oh, fuck. <laughs> you got the eight. You got the eight. Eight by nine. No. Less. Less. Eight by eight? Higher. Eight by eight and a half? That's the one. Okay. Eight by eight and a half for Bo Horvat, who uh, is 27 now, turns yeah. 28 in two months. Right, so, take him till he's 26. 29, Takes him till he's almost 36. Or just barely 36. Yeah. Okay, should we talk about this now? Um, we, wait, let, let's ra- let's wrap up the Penguins and like that deadline stuff. Yeah. And then we'll, I guess, move over to all the Horvat starting from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, what were we just talking about with the deadline? We were just talking about Carlson. Like Eric Carlson. Yep. Yeah. I was saying, I know it's very unlikely. Um, but I think maybe... Mike Greer, this may be giving him too much credit, but what I, if, if he's, you know, very smart, he's, you know, he sees how, how well Carlson's doing and is, you know, stamping a super high price and is going to see the absolute best thing he can get right before the deadline and ship him off then. Um, so I know that may be a little bit wishful thinking on, like, from the fans' perspective, but, like, I mean, what team, you know, what team... Looking at teams with like lots of room, 
Uh, Buffalo is listed as having the most. They want to add Carlson to their mix of, uh, you know, Darlene Power, Matias Samuelson, all that. Um, sure. And from a cap perspective as well, you know, it's you may also be looking at a team with some, like, bad money to unload. Uh, I mean, Ogpozo only has one year left, and he's a captain, so maybe not. Um, but, like, you know, would they want to send, like, Olofsson back or something, who's making almost $5 million? Or, uh, ask, yeah, not much else, bad money there-wise, but, like, they've got tons of room. And by, I guess my main point with Eric Carlson is, like, uh, you, you've got – I don't even know what my main point is, actually. You gotta trade the motherfucker. You gotta, yeah, you, you gotta trade him, and I think there are is a team that will be, that will be looking to add him. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. You know, I think our evaluation of Mike Greer will depend solely on whether he trades him, and we won't know the that Kraken. Until after the that's where he should go. Yeah, <laughs> man, that'd be fun. Oh, they'd love him there. Oh, they would. But uh, yeah, it could be just anchoring. You know, like when we talk about Horvat in a second, we talk about the Canucks didn't anchor whatsoever. Uh, and Eric Carlson to Seattle for four first round picks and Philip Grubauer. <laughs> Send it. Um, man, how many how many years has Grubauer left? Probably about as many as Carlson. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I can see it. You know, that'd be fun. But uh, yeah, San Jose needs to needs to get on it. So maybe he's doing it. Maybe Greer is doing it. And it's also like part of the tank as well. Right. You know, because yeah. this is a team that's gunning for Bedard. Yeah. You've got this one player who's, you know, scoring miraculous amount of points and you're still somewhere near the bottom of the league. Get rid of him. You're you maybe be in the front running position. Imagine this team might like the Sharks minus Meyer and Carlson. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. You've got <laughs> you've nuts. got literally Vlasic belonging on the first pair. <laughs> wow. That's, More or less. Let's aspire for that. You should trade James Reimer too. Yeah, sure. Why not? Trade them all. Yeah. Commit to the bit. Where are they right now in the standings? Uh, they are Sharks tangent. Um, they are fourth last in the Western Conference. Okay, and overall, I don't think anybody cares where their standing is. In the that's true. <laughs> in I the just West. that's what that was. Yeah. Overall, let me sort by points percentage because that's the real the real deal. Uh, they are fifth last. Okay. All right. So, they so they're 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 in striking distance right now to get into a real good position. Oh yeah. And they've got the tools to make themselves real bad real quick with, with three... Selling potential. Yeah. Is, is there a backup Capo Kakinen? Is that who it is? Yeah. Who's yeah. Is, who is very bad. Yikes. All right. So yeah. Okay. So there's your bit of a deadline preview for you. Um, and they've got Aaron Dell in the minors just waiting. <laughs> just waiting for his chance. Biding his time. To rock a 775 down the stretch. <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. Uh, but yeah, speaking of trades... So you want to talk? There's a lot of Canucks news. Okay, Canucks. Um, yeah. So first of all, we haven't had a show since Boudreaux was fired. That's right. I don't think finally got resolved, and it's been talked to death. So I don't think we need to to talk about it too much. Pretty ridiculous how things went down. You know, reflective of the dysfunction in that organization in general. Uh, they didn't trade Andre Kuzmenko for you know what would have been quite a nice return, and instead signed him two by five and a half. A contract which, at the absolute best case scenario, will expire right when the Canucks are starting to get competitive. <laughs> yeah, just a mystifying, mystifying contract. Uh, you consider, you know, like directionless, dysfunction, but also directionless organization. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They finally get it. You know, something hits on with this offseason, this off, like uh, what is this overseas signing with Kuzmenko comes over. And, you know, he's, like, shooting 25% right now. Did you know that? Oh, seriously? <laughs> oh, I did yeah. not know. 
Yeah, he's shooting 25% and they're giving him $11 million based on that for a team that isn't contending. Um, uh, granted, he's one of their you know, handful of forwards who are good, but you could have gotten very good assets for, for a guy who's certainly bound to regress. Um, and yeah, ba- I mean, the deal is okay. It's not a disaster in a vacuum for Kuzmenko, but for the Canucks, it makes no sense whatsoever. I'm sure Kuzmenko's happy about it. Oh yeah, he's thrilled. Uh, you know, actually, think I wonder the why the reason he wouldn't have wanted something longer term, and maybe of you know I feel yeah. like in the open market, assuming he kept up what he had been doing this year, someone would have been willing to offer him like a four year or five year deal. You think? I think I really think so. Oh. Um, even if the AAV is a little bit lower, maybe he thinks at you know age twenty seven he still has room to grow and is like bridging himself <laughs> till he's twenty nine or thirty. He can keep up the twenty five percent shooting percentage. Yeah, you know, we'll right? see. Uh, not a not a great risk, um. But I mean, oh, he really, he's almost a point a game. <laughs> he's got twenty one goals already. He's gonna blow past thirty. Yeah, and he's at, you know two by five and a half. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, he should have locked in. He should have locked himself in on this mm-hmm. mega fucking contract. I- Which the other interesting thing is, I wonder why he wanted to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he thought I I really don't know. Maybe his agent did him dirty. I but could also see him just liking the city and not really caring if he wins. I guess so. Yeah, could be. Very possible. Um, but yeah, like I said, the deal, like considering the production this year, isn't isn't awful. It's just it's awful for Vancouver. Mm-hmm. You know? And now Vancouver has uh assuming Kuzmenko regresses, which it was hard to imagine him not. Yeah. Uh, moving forward into next year, they will have uh four uh overpaid middle six wingers. Kuzmenko, Besser, Connor Garland, and Beauvillier. Uh, and that's uh, no uh, top-line wingers, in my personal opinion, at least. Yeah, that's yikes. Oh, and Mikheyev as well. Didn't even mention Mikheyev. And he of Tanner ACL. Pearson as well, if he returns. Just a bunch of second- and third-line <laughs> wingers all over what the place. Gag. Oh, man. No, this roster is a train wreck. Um, and what was it like one of Rick Tocchet's first games? They lost 6-1 to the crack, and he's already like... They're soft. I don't, I don't know what to say or whatever the fuck. And I'm at a loss for words. I don't think you said that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. To that, to that, yeah. to that, to that message. Um, yeah. And we talked about Rick Tockett. By the way, do we want to mention his like Twitter situation? I not really clear on what's, what, what what was that bit, but I know he deleted it and he had a bunch of like whack fucking maggot takes or some shit going on there. And he that? liked a ton of porn. <laughs> oh really? Dating back oh, like ten no. years. Oh just god! Just constantly liking porn. What the fuck? And no one ever noticed. Not as like any of his former employers. Like never came to light. I guess until this. Until like the day he was hired for the Canucks. Like I don't know. And he like he just deleted it. That's nuts. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. The fucking audacity. Yeah. Some people just don't know the likes are public. I guess. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy Christ! That's, yeah, that's and even feral. even putting all that aside, we talk about how like it's not a great position for someone coming as a coach to a situation where everyone wishes the old guy was still there and misses him, and you know he comes in right away and is like, no, they're soft. I don't know what to say. Like you're not really getting on anyone's good side there. Yeah, no, there's there's like he got put in a bad situation, and also he's not made a very good coach. So you know, <laughs> just a, just a real shitstorm. Um, but yeah, and then let's let's get to the trade. The biggest news of Canucks new Canucks news this week. Uh, we got Bo Horvat traded a month out from the deadline uh, to the Islanders, famous Stanley Cup contenders this year. 
Uh, so the trade was uh, their first round pick this year, top 12 protected, Aturati and Anthony Beauvillier uh, in return for Bo Horvat in a trade that many have said is a lose-lose. I would, I would tend to agree. I would tend to disagree. Really? I think this trade is a win for the Canucks. Interesting. Um, I've talked about before how, you know, in a vacuum, it's smart for this bad team to trade this pending UFA at the height of his value. You know, so I stand by that. So trading Horvat, I think, was a good idea. And what I think really makes this trade not a lose-lose is the first-round pick. Because, you know, other teams, like, you know, fans of the Leafs or, or the Bruins or the Hurricanes or whoever, was like, we could have matched this. We could have traded our Beauvillier equivalent and our Ratty equivalent and our first-round pick. And a first-round pick in the late 20s is so much less valuable than the Islanders' first-round pick is, is going to be this year. Like, Toronto talking about, like, you know, they don't want to trade Matthew Nyes. Makes sense. Matthew Nyes might play, you know, break into the league this year. Um, but Matthew Nyes is probably about as valuable as the 13th overall pick. Uh, maybe slightly more so, but it's not very far off. Uh, and the Islanders right now, or maybe not right now, but at the time of the trade at least, by points percentage, they were slated to pick 13th overall which is, you know, the highest possible it could be this year. And if they do fall into the top 12, first of all, uh, the Islanders still have the option to give that pick to Vancouver, even higher. Vancouver sure would love it. Or if they don't, then it's an unprotected pick next year. And are the Islanders really going to be any good next year? Uh, who's to say? I would guess probably not. So we, I, it's a very, honestly, the the path for a, like, Ben Sherratt, situation that's going on with Montreal right now or to you know the Eric Carlson thing where Ottawa ended up with this with the Stutzla draft pick or the Colorado Ottawa thing where Colorado ended up with the Bowen Byron draft pick that type of thing the path here with this Horvat trade is very very easy to see and even if it doesn't come true even even if the Islanders make the playoffs a pick that's like 17th or 18th overall is still you know significantly much assumingly better than a you know something that's like 30th overall so I think uh, from that perspective, Vancouver wins. Um, but there's the other side of it too, which is the Islanders' side. All right, yeah. So I'll, I'll man, the Islanders. What are they? What are they doing here? Uh, it's well, you know exactly what they're doing and who's doing it. It's Lou. He has what? He's he has no contract passed this year. Who knows if he'll be back? This is like his, one of his last shots at it. Going all in and saying fuck it. And just going all in for a team that, frankly, is not very good, and filling a need that wasn't really there in terms of centers because now they've you know they have too many centers with Horvat, Nelson, and Barzal. They move Barzal over to the wing. Uh, when... I don't think that's such a bad idea. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely not like strengthening your position of strength was not sure. the reason I hate the deal. Right, but fair, carry okay. on. But yeah, um, I'm saying there were other holes on this roster. That could have been fixed. In fact, one might say too many holes to, <laughs> to try and, you know, contend for the playoffs this year. But, uh, yeah, so th- that's one point. Um, you know, I was going to rag on them for not signing him to an extension, but now they've done that, and we'll talk about the extension in a minute. Uh, but, yeah, the, for, the, the crux of the thing is this is not a very good team, uh, not a playoff team quality-wise, and it looks like maybe even, you know, Practically speaking, they might just miss the whole thing. Um, and yeah, so it doesn't make sense to, to buy, send those future assets. I mean, obviously, you had a great draft class this year. You're giving up, you're setting yourself up for failure. And you talk about that path to giving up a big time pick, you leave yourself open to that path because the team just isn't very good. 
Um, and yeah, so this 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 trade is just it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, Horvat's a very nice target, but for the current situation of the Islanders, it just it's not it. It's not it. Yeah, they're not even really knocking on the door of the playoffs right now. They are Pittsburgh's in the second wild card spot. They're two points up on the Islanders, but have played three fewer games. Uh, and the Islanders would also have to pass Buffalo on the way there. So I think their odds of making the playoffs right after the deal was made was under 20%. It's, it's a rough look. And, you know, you understand Lou and his, you know, 80-year-old perspective of, I've got to make the playoffs, me personally. Uh, but on the other hand, that's, that's dumb and selfish. Uh, and, you know, it's, I mean, the, the acknowledgement of totally lacking foresight doesn't make it a smart move. Um, I, my sister and I, uh, we do this fun thing sometimes, uh, where I, I was home over, over the weekend it happened. Uh, so when she sees a trade before I do, she'll tell, tell me there was a trade and I, cause I enjoy doing it. will like, guess what teams were involved and then like guess all the pieces, um, until I can put it all together. So once I had established that it was a Horvat trade and I'm starting to guess what team he went to, you wouldn't believe how many teams I guessed <laughs> before I got to the Islanders. I think they, I think oh, I went man. through at least half the league before I guessed the Islanders. And I was like, geez, oh yeah, that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> uh, so if they hadn't signed Horvat to an extension, you know, massive disaster, of course. Yeah. Miss the playoffs, lose the first round pick, lose this great prospect in Ratty. Uh, it's a total, total nightmare. Now they've signed him to an extension. Different kind of nightmare is possible because of that. Uh, looking into next season, Barzal will be the highest forward on the payroll, 9.15, with his new contract kick- kicking in, followed by Horvat, 8.5, Anders Lee, 7, Brock Nelson, 6, Josh Bailey, 5, John Gabriel Pajot, 5, Kyle Palmieri, 5. That's insane. <laughs> an insane amount and an insane personnel Wait. to pay those amounts to. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and most of those players are extended even beyond next year. The only one who is in is Bailey. Um, so that that's rough. As for the trade itself, you know, they they it makes sense to like you know give up someone like Beauvillier and this kind of swapping of of the the money. Uh, the first round pick, um, as all the reasons it's great for Vancouver, the reasons it sucks for the Islanders, you're gonna lose a high pick, and if you keep it this year, it could end up being even higher than the next year. Uh, and Atu Ratu, uh, is a, not a prospect I would have been comfortable giving up. Uh, I mean, you know, we in his draft year, the whole thing was he was originally, you know, hyped super high. Then, you know, was really disappointed in his draft year. Fell all the way to the 52nd overall, overall. The Islanders got him. And then after that, he's really bounced back in the Finnish league. Has already played in the NHL this year a bit. Scored two goals. Uh, has been pretty solid in the AHL. Probably not going to be a, a star, but, you know, middle six center. Seems well within the realm of possibility. Uh, and... I just, you know, it's, again, kind of the short, short-sightedness short of it um, for a team that should not be in win-now mode. And they have such a thin prospect pool to begin with. They gave up the 13th overall this past year for Alex Romanov. Remember right, that? Yeah. Uh, and now they've given up the first-round pick this year and a player who possibly could, uh, could or should have gone in the first round in his draft year just back in 2021. Just gave him up, too. Man. This is uh, for a team that has maybe like, you know, top three goalie in the world right now. The outlook on this team is so fucking bleak. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. You're giving up the farm 
and yet your roster is still like aging and it's bad. The definition of that stuck in the middle you yeah. don't want to be. Oh, it's exactly God. where it, that this is. This is exactly it. They're like treadmilling, going nowhere um, and, and aging quick. Uh, it's just, yeah, no, it, it's it's a disaster. And this is a uh, case in point why you don't want Lou at the helm of your organization at this point in his life. Uh, <laughs> his life. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Right? He'll, you say he'll do it till he die and, you know, that's coming up. So, and he, you, yeah, that's, yeah, that sense of desperation, right? Like, he, he clearly senses it, right? He only has so many years left. If he's desperate to win a Stanley Cup, he should leave the Islanders. Yeah. Sign on with a good team as some kind of advisor or, or whatever yeah why the fuck not this is this is not the path forward and and nuking an organization uh for your interests is is not it and yeah i mean you have barzal and horvat as your one two center i guess is basically what you're committing to for the next eight years which you know it's not the worst but kind of mediocre but at like almost 18 million yeah, that's the issue um back back to, yeah go ahead you know what's insane Barzal Horvat now both signed till 2031. And Pulak and Pelik both signed to 2030. Wow. You know, the, the two defensemen I don't know, takes too much an issue with, but that's just that's just a lot of commitment to a pretty mediocre core. And all things well, considered. Pulak and Pelik are both 28. Okay. Ah. Do you feel differently now about <laughs> them being signed till 2030? So, what, we're going to have like 35 year old. They're all going to be like 35, right? At least. <laughs> or bought out. They'll be bought out. <laughs> Holy Christ. Yeah, that's brutal. That is... Honestly, of all the teams in the league, which one am I most confident will not win a Stanley Cup in the next 10 years? I think, this, one. Is, I think this yeah. has got to be the one. Oh, 100%. <laughs> They're completely handcuffed. Man, what a miserable time to be an Islanders fan. Because you're fucked. You're fucked in all sorts of ways. That's that's a... Yeah. The point you... was also brought up because they were super close to acquiring JT Miller last summer. Uh, that they basically took the contract they were going to give to Miller yeah. and gave it to Horvat and shifted that over. So things could be worse. In that respect, they didn't make the mistake that Vancouver did, right? They did the exact opposite, but it doesn't leave them in a much better situation either. Nope. Um. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of the Canucks, see, I'm underwhelmed because I think they could have gotten more. They probably should have gotten more for a guy like Horvat, who, you know, still very much in his prime at 28 years old and having an insane season. Now, granted, it is his contract year. Almost certainly an outlier, but we've seen, you know, teams get bigger hauls for outlier seasons. What team would give you something more valuable than the approximately 13th overall pick in this I, generational I, draft second round, two, and at two ready? Two firsts and a decent prospect. I feel like I would I would bite for that. Um, you, you, you think it would be reasonable to get like two firsts and like an almost ready level prospect? Yeah, I think so. For Bo Horvat, he's fucking awesome. Um, you you half retain him. I know that it was like quarter retained on this one. Um, I I think crazy returns have been had for sure. And I think if they had anchored properly, because here they're just like you know, and eh, 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 like having and hawing over Bohorvat for half the season. You know, I think you could have gotten more. The possibility of it being a lottery pick next year, though, I don't think that should be discounted. The possibility it'll blow up in the Islanders' face. Eh, it's it's a chance. It's a gamble. And so, you know, it, it's not a certainty, but it's certainly a bonus, right? Exactly. And, That's and a I, big bonus that, like, even if, like, say from the Bruins or something, two first-round picks wouldn't really be able to provide that for you. I mean, yeah, certainly you don't have that bonus. But even then, I think the two first-round picks from the Bruins, for example, the decent prospect, I still, maybe I prefer that, you know? I even if it's don't. lower. Because I understand, you know, the, the value evaluation, obviously the, the first-round picks aren't equivalent. But, you know, I think... 
you, you do take that bonus into account, but I still think they could have gotten more. Uh, well, maybe. I I've, I find it hard to... I guess in that sense, anytime you make a trade this far in advance of the deadline, yeah, you are kind of... There's this like, oh, could we have gotten more if we waited? Um, or, you know, could he have gone cold and got injured and the market totally evaporated? I feel like that's kind of, you know, the risk the teams try to... In that sense, it kind of reminds me of the uh, Toffoli trade from last year. Right. It was made uh, quite early. And Montreal got first-round pick, another mid-round picks, Emil Haneman. Um, it was kind of like, yeah, it's a decent return, I guess, but, like, they could have gotten more if they waited, maybe. Yeah, I think that's where I stand. And I think they still didn't do a good job of anchoring. If they, you know, if, they, if you had... Put your set your price higher, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you get the same deal from the Islanders, but with more added to it. I think, you know, just the dysfunction of this organization kind of leads to less, like, it, you don't achieve your potential, even yeah. with this particular scenario with the Islanders, you know? Mm-hmm. The interesting thing, though, is also, like, you know, I, I see the thing of, oh, yeah, you know, you can ask for more and then you'll get more. But with the Islanders, because I can see the Canucks really being dead set on, like, of all the teams who want Horvat this first round pick is by far the most valuable one that you really want to do business with them. And you don't want them to pivot away. Like, fine, we'll just go get Timo Meyer instead or something like that. I guess so. But, like, I feel like maybe we're overvaluing that 12th, the, like, the 12th, the top 12 protected first round pick. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I think... It's so valuable. Are you kidding me? I think it's, it's, it's decently valuable. But I think... It's incredibly valuable. It's much more so than a regular first round pick you would trade at the trade deadline. I don't know about that. You'll, well, like, we'll it's see, more valuable. See. I'm not denying it. It's incredibly more that, so. There's that possibility, which certainly gives it that bonus. But I feel like, you know, we look at drafting um, as a whole, and it's more of a crapshoot. You get that quantity. You get that volume. Let's compare, you want to go let's compare the history of 13th overall picks to, say, 29th overall picks. Well, no, I'm not denying that the 13th overall pick is significantly more valuable than 29th. I'm saying if you get, you know, maybe, like, the 20th and the 29th, you know, in some consecutive years, maybe that's more valuable than one shot at the 13th. That, you know, may be great, but also may like be mediocre instead of, you know. You know who was a 13th overall pick? Okay, this is... This Josh is, Morrissey. This is, this, is, this, is nip, this is what is cherry picking. <laughs> cherry picking. Um, You're saying Josh Morrissey sucks? I am. Okay. Big time. Well, in Big that hater. case... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well... I still think, you know, the Canucks did well here. And the Islanders did really badly. I think the Islanders are the losers. The biggest, the biggest losers, mm-hmm. I would say. I think the Canucks still. Small L. Lowercase L. I say lowercase dub for Vancouver. Okay. All right. Uh, on top of a big pile of shit that's been their team in general. So, uh, <laughs> uh, next up, there was actually another trade that we haven't talked about. Uh, between the San Jose Sharks and the Colorado Avalanche. And it was a swap of a prospect and a fringe player for a prospect and a fringe player. Colorado traded the uh, 16th overall pick in 2018, Martin Kaut, and Mr. You know, bubble player forward or defenseman Jacob McDonald to the Sharks in exchange for a player who was picked exactly five spots after Martin Kaut in 2018, that being Ryan Merkley and Matt Nieto who was returning for, I believe, his second stint with Colorado. At least his second. I think his second. Is this career path? His career path has been like San Jose, Colorado. Colorado San, San Jose, Jose, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. I'm if there, I think there was a brief stop. Uh, some, no, there wasn't. <laughs> Sharks, abs, Sharks, abs. Those okay. two back and forth. Uh, and, I mean, Ryan Merkley, 
his thing at the time of being drafted. With, you know, great skill, but like a, a big temper and like yells at his teammates and, you know, just kind of immature. Um, can San Jose work it out? He played quite a bit in the NHL actually last year. He played 39 games, six points. Uh, back in the AHL this year, kind of like half a point a game as a defenseman. And he's 22. Martin Kaut was, you know, picked slightly earlier, but pretty much picked in the same range. He's a forward. He's played a little bit more in the NHL. Also has, you know, barely scored. Um, in the AHL, though, he's been uh, lighting it up this year. Almost a point a game. So I pref- slightly prefer Kaut as a pro. Maybe even, not, maybe quite a bit actually prefer Kaut as a prospect. Um, even though they're approach both approaching that age where it's like, all right, you know, time for you to time for you to break in. So I think it makes sense that I also prefer Matt Nieto to Jacob McDonald. Yeah. And from Colorado's perspective, I think this still makes a lot of sense. Because first of all, you're upgrading in the short term at forward from Martin Cout, who's like kind of not really an NHL player, to Matt Nieto, who definitely is, you know, can play in your bottom six. And as for defense, you've kind of got a bit of a, a log jam in terms of, you know, the organizational depth. So, you know, you get rid of Jacob McDonald and you bring this guy with a little bit of promise, potentially. Yeah, I, I see it. I, see, I, I agree. I just, I, my comparison breakdown is a bit, a bit different. I see like Matt Nieto for Jacob McDonald uh, as one part of the deal, uh, where McDonald obviously just wasn't cracking the lineup there in Colorado. You have Nieto who's been playing like big minutes in San Jose this year, right? Uh, so, you know, that's, an, that's a definitely an upgrade there. And then Merkley and Kaut, you know, I think you're right. Kaut is the better prospect. But I think it's, it's a situation where, you know, both players need to, we're kind of middling maybe a fresh start uh kind of does the benefit for them um so you know i think it's more or less a wash maybe favoring you know martin kaut but then i think nieto's firmly better than mcdonald so i think you know that's where colorado gets Mm -hmm. the win there i think i like i like looking at it positionally especially for colorado because they're obviously a win now team and nieto's the only one of any of these four players who's like in the lineup regularly yeah so win for them and you know sharks they get the slightly better prospect, and they get a little worse for their tank. We've got a win-win trade here, I would say. <laughs> Good shit. Um, yeah, so congratulations to both. It's a, it's a small trade. Claps but, all around. Yeah. This is not a small trade. This yeah. is, you know what's a small trade? The one that happened a week prior, which was Kyle Criscuolo for Jasper Weatherby. That's a small trade. Can't deny that. Um, all right. So, yeah, that's that's that. We want to talk about Troy Mann. Like, I yes. don't know many details on him, but... The details that I do do know seem kind of nuts. Uh, so Troy Mann, coach of the Belleville Senators, you know, AHL affiliate of the Ottawa Senators, recently fired. And I think it's interesting because he also has a brother who's an assistant general manager of the Ottawa Senators. So, you know, already a bit of a brotherly connection there. But Troy got fired. Uh, and it seems like this, was, this has been kind of in the making for a while in terms of, you know, tension between Troy Mann and the front office. But... The straw that broke the camel's back, that like really got him fired, was he gave pre-scouting material to another NHL team uh, prior to some game, and then his bosses found out, got canned. Uh, yeah, just a just a strange reason to get fired. I don't know if we know the rationale behind it. I think you tried, you had a hypothesis. I don't know where that came from. You wanna? Where's your insight here? Uh. I had a hypothesis, and I'm reading a little article on the score now, which is disproving my hypothesis. Yeah. Um, so I thought that he had given this pre-scouting material to like another AHL team. It was actually to another to an NHL team. Yeah. 
Um, so here's what it says. Ottawa Senators AHL coach Troy Mann gave some of the team's pre-scouting material to another NHL club prior to his firing. So this is interesting because I had thought AHL coaches were employed by the AHL team. Right. And not the NHL team. Okay. I, maybe a different situation to situation. But like, because, you know, NHL teams and AHL teams like break affiliation all the time. And the players on contract, the AHL team only, you know, they stay with that team. Um, and I got kind of th- kind of assumed that coaches were employed by those AHL, AHL teams as well, and right. not the big club. Yeah, I guess in Ottawa that's not the case. Um, it also says here um, the occurrence was the final straw in burgeoning trust issues between <laughs> Man and the Senators. <laughs> oh boy, you don't hear that often. Implying that this wasn't just like a well, I can't believe you did this. You're fired. They yeah, they had been suspicious of him for a while. Maybe there were other elements that went into it, or maybe he just had been doing this for a while, kind of under the table. Fuck. <laughs> oh, man, I wonder if he made any money off of it. Because um, otherwise, this doesn't seem like something worth getting fired over if you're Other- Troy Mann. Otherwise, what's even the reason to do so? That's what I mean, yeah. Unless it's like, hey, fucking uh, Minnesota Wild, like I want you to hire me so I'll be nice to you by breaking my team's rules. That's crazy. Which would be especially insane because then Minnesota's like, well, you know, what's to stop you from doing that if we hired you? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> not the best look for other prospective employers. Um, but, yeah, I want to know more details is what I say. <laughs> I want to know exactly what he gave up, what kind of pre-scouting material, and what's what's this burgeoning trust issues that's going on between him and him in the front office. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, truly, truly some nut shit. I think one kind of went under the radar because it's like, Oh, he's giving away like you know supposedly confidential information to other organizations. It's hi, listeners. Uh, we we finished recording the episode, uh, and then you know began the editing process, and then we we realized that uh, the final uh, half an hour or so of of Taisei's audio is mysteriously disappearing, and it's been uh, an attempt has been made to recover it, and we failed. So this is the end of the episode. Um, basically, what you missed was uh, we talked about the All-Star Weekend and how bad it was and boring, uh, and now we didn't even watch it. And I did a quiz about Bruce Boudreau, and I failed. I got, I think, half the questions right. Yeah. That was it. Uh, and we're doing the Minnesota Wild next week. So, yeah, sorry this one's uh, shorter than we thought. It's a bummer. Taisei is uh, going to, I think, download GarageBand for next time. Yeah, it's it's we've we're finally moving on from Zencaster, unless we are recording remotely. Then I'm, I assume we'll do it again. The end.